Hi, everyone. I'm Nikki Porter. And I'm Nadine Smith. And this is Canada Horse Podcast brought to you by Informed Equestrian. We strive to enhance the lives of horse owners by facilitating conversations that make people want to talk. Canada Horse Podcast. We're spotlighting the Canadian horse industry while serving our mission to help bridge the knowledge gap for horse owners by offering the whys behind the decisions we make for our horses, from their tack to their trainers to their vet care and everything in between. Our listeners are encouraged to use the information offered here on Canada Horse Podcast to make informed choices that suit their individual needs. We believe in education over judgment and informed choices over following the crowd. Hello, you are listening to episode 43 of Canada Horse Podcast. This is our final episode in our equestrian image series, and we're so ready to discuss the topic of fitness and nutrition with our guests today. Hi, everyone. Yes, you heard that right. We have multiple guests to help us cover this very broad topic today. We've split the interviews up into segments so we can speak to each person separately and ask questions about their specific area of focus. We'll also be asking some overlapping questions so that you can really see if there's some commonalities between the different areas, professionals and or professions and disciplines. So we'd like to welcome our first guest, Nardine of The Strong Rider. Nardine is a strength and conditioning coach who helps equestrians identify their fitness goals, designs program exercise programs, and helps people to be successful on and off their horse through a holistic approach to fitness and health. Welcome to the show, Nardine. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today and uh, talk about a topic that I love, obviously. <laughs> I feel like this is a great one for you and I, Nadine, right now, where like we're in the beginning, or I guess like mid, if we actually look at terrifying mid of our show season. Oh, I yeah. know <laughs> it goes by so fast. It does. Um, you know, so we're riding a little bit more. And yesterday I was riding in English tack versus Western tack and seeing like areas of my weakness and how they show up in different or differently in both places or more exaggerated in both places. So I'm super excited. But Nardine, before I go off onto a tangent, <laughs> why don't you give us a little more about your background and what work you do to help sore and stiff riders? Yeah, so I have been a strength and conditioning coach for nearly 20 years. So working with amateur and professional athletes. Um, so, you know, it's obviously something I love and have continued to do for such a long period of time. Um, and, you know, I really found that there was this hole with regards to equestrians and education around um, the work to be done off the horse. I think for the longest time there has been this um, view, I guess, that, you know, riding is enough and we don't need to do anything else. Um, and I, I think that's an outdated view now that 
I think we're starting to see that shift in that mindset and we're seeing more riders, especially at the professional levels, talking about how much they actually do train um, off the horse to keep themselves healthy. And, you know, so I think it's cool to see that shift, but I definitely found that there was that hole and I just really wanted to educate riders around why it's important. Um, And so I sort of, see myself actually as more like a a horse advocate so my catchphrase for the strong rider is be a better teammate so they do so much for us and you know they save our our, save our butts all the time and you know they give us so much and we ask you know a lot of them that you know I think it's only fair that in return we do as much as we can to work on our bodies to be strong and balanced for them so that we can support them rather than like rely on them to just do everything and we're just sitting on top of them being like yay um, go do all the things that I need you to do so yeah I just I yeah like I said I saw this saw this hole and you know like the biggest thing with my program has been building people's confidence in the saddle. So, you know, I had a rider um, message me whose horse is not normally grayed out on trails. Um, and so her instinct for the last three years is whenever they have an incident on a trail. So he gets a bit funny when he sees other horses for some reason. Um her instinct is to hop off and to just, you know, like hold on to him and walk. And for the first time last week, uh, they came across, he got a bit funny and she just was like, you know what? Like, I'm good. I am strong. I can, I have worked hard on my body. I got this. And he was fine, you know? And I was like, yeah, he probably thought, you know, mom, mom seems fine. So I guess I'm fine. And, you know, to have that breakthrough moment where for like three years, she has, hasn't been able to stay on her horse was like huge. And that's, that's the, like the most rewarding bonus is hearing about some of my more like nervous riders who now feel more confident to, you know, be like, okay, if something goes wrong. Right. So I watch some of these fail videos and, you know, I honestly sometimes watch and think how on earth did you fall off? You, <laughs> you, sh- you shouldn't in that scenario. Um, so, you know, it is about building confidence um, in the saddle because they're incredibly powerful animals. And while we can train them to the best, uh, you know, that we can, at the end of the day, they can be just as unpredictable though, regardless of their training, you know, mm-hmm. um, they all have bad days. And if you can be, a, you know, a fit and strong and balanced rider, that means more likely to stay in the tack than, you know, hit the dirt pretty much. So yeah, you're, you're very much speaking to how I was feeling yesterday. So like I haven't ridden English in a while. I think I've ridden once in the last, I don't know, 15 years. And then yesterday I went and uh, sat on three different horses in English tack mm-hmm. and just that trust in your body, in your balance and your strength in English tack versus Western tack feels very different. And mm-hmm. I had it in the back of my head the question of if this horse spooks right now, cause we rode on the road, if he spooks right now, am I capable of sticking with him? Yeah. And in the past, it, it would never have crossed my mind. I wouldn't have thought about it at all, but the thought of 
do I have the, the balance that I used to have? And do I have the strength that I used to have to stick with them? If my horse and I'm in Western tack, if he spooks to the side, I can grab the horn if I need to. Yeah. And I, have, I have more things supporting me. So yesterday it was very clear to me that, you know, if I was thinking it, then internally, my body was probably feeling that there was a lack of balance and strength there compared to the past. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a great point around like the different styles of riding and different tack that we use. And, you know, how does that change the way that we sit in a saddle and, and our balance and, you know, our stability. So yeah, that's really insightful. It, what really interests me are professionals like you who really cater to equestrians because having been an athlete in, you know, like several different sports, when you have someone that really focuses on the things that you do, there's a bigger understanding, especially as you being a rider yourself, like a real understanding of what needs to be strong and what's probably going to be sore and how we can work around those things. So in your work, do you do group classes or do you do like one-on-one or do you do online training? I'm just wondering kind of like how people can access yeah. Programs. yeah so you know because of um covid that that did shift the way my business works so i do do a huge amount online now um so the the beauty of zoom is that i can coach um writers you know online now um i do do in person um the programming is more individual um I don't necessarily, like, I have it available. I wouldn't say it's a huge area of my business, like the group stuff. I run more, like, I would say one-off more, like, clinics where I go in and I work with the barn and we, you know, make it fun, educational, take them through some exercises, talk about that whole, like, be a better teammate and that, that growth mindset around how they can achieve that. And then sort of from there, you know, then getting on a program. And so I have like an individualized program that I um, have, or I do have a a generic one, which is still tailored for writers. If someone's sort of wanting to get maybe like a taste of the program, then I sort of have that available as well. And then the other side of things is the the writer audits that I do. So that is a biomechanics analysis. So I, do an assessment on the ground and how well you move. Um, And then uh, I watch you ride um, and then do a report between those two things. So I actually did my first virtual one um, about six weeks ago to see how that went. Um, And it was good. It it went well. So I'm, you know, now going to sort of start offering uh, those virtual rider audits as well, because yeah, they're, they're always very interesting. Everyone's like, I had no idea my body did that or, you know, like people come in with like perceptions and they're like already thinking that they're going to be this way. And I had that like not long ago with a lady with two horses and she was like, this horse is great. Like when I ride that mare, it's going to be good. This guy, he's the handful and, and everything. And it turned out completely opposite. So the, the, the gelding, she was way more symmetrical when she rode him and the mirror made her all like out of whack. And, you know, so I was like, you went in thinking that it was going to be, but it was actually the complete opposite. Right. So it's that fresh perspective of me and my observations. And, you know, like, again, those rider audits are just about those like one percenters, like how can you, you connect the dots? Because the biggest thing I find and as you guys working with 
like students and things like that from a coach's point of view, it's educating, right? There's nothing worse as a coach repeating yourself over and over again. But sometimes what I'm trying to get coaches to understand is if you've got a rider who's like struggling to achieve something, there could actually be a physical restriction that is limiting them to be able to do that. Because I like to think that most of us, when we're in a lesson, are trying to be the best that we can be. We're not trying to just ignore you, <laughs> you know? Same goes um, for the horses we're riding too, hey? Right? So, <laughs> you know, we, we all have our quirks, but if we can understand that, then I think you know, it's easy to hop on a horse and not be present. And I know you guys have talked a lot about that in some of your different videos and that. Um, And I think that's an area where the program is about being a bit more present with your body when you hop on that horse. Do a bit of a checklist. You checklist with your horse to be like, how do they feel, you know, when you're warming up? But like, do you do a checklist for yourself to be like, how do you feel today? Do you feel tight? Do you feel like you're moving really well? Do you feel balanced? You know, like we've got to do the both, you know, it can't just be the checklist for the horse. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And muscle memory, like mm-hmm. checking in on our, our muscle memory. You know, I, I recognized yesterday that I go to a, to like a protective kind of place in my body when I'm feeling a little more insecure mm-hmm. and I feel it but I really see it when somebody videos and like, that's just an automatic go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, that mental check where you go, where am I right now? Yeah. 100%. You know, we've all got our little, you know, our go-tos and, you know, I always say to everybody, you know, just like horses, if the body can find a way to cheat, it will, it's going to find the easiest way to do something. So unless we correct it, then the body will cheat constantly to find what it thinks is the the best way or the easiest way to achieve something. So that checklist sort of is a bit of a, hey, (laughs) am I actually, uh, like you said, in a position or, and especially in your head, you think this is going to protect you, but on a horse being here is actually more likely to make you fall versus being like shoulders back, sit up sit my butt down and, you know, like engage everything. Right. So again, it's like that sort of double edged (laughs) effect. We asked our listeners what sorts of body aches and pains they struggle with regularly. (laughs) And I'm surprised that like Nadine, your phone didn't just blow up because it's, I know I'm going to check some more. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's always, um, it's always a joke of like, you know, you, you see the meme going around that says you, the doctor asks, well, where does it hurt? And you're like, like, when does it not hurt? Like, yeah. when am I not in pain? Um, but really the common complaints that we heard from listeners would be painful elbow joints, hip flexor tightness, sore feet and hips. There were lots of votes for sore hips, mm-hmm. sore back, yeah. quads, and sore knees, especially at the walk. So what are some common issues that you see equestrians struggle with? Yeah, I would say a lot of lower back and knees um, are really common um, that I see, right? And I always say to people, if something's hurting, look above and below where the pain is presenting. Because often 
where you're feeling it is not actually where it's coming from. So the lower back is generally, unless you've obviously like actually like hurt yourself, hurt yourself, but just day-to-day sore tight lower back in particular is generally coming from tight hip flexors um, and glutes. So releasing that um, and stretching through your glutes and hips will help the lower back. Same with the knees, looking above and below. So how tight are your calf muscles? Um, How tight are your hips and your glutes? So when everything's tight, the joint then, the muscles, the little muscles around that joint then have to work harder. So that's why we get sore knees because if, if there's no movement and stretch and give, then all that load just like hammers through those those kneecaps. I'm like, I always say it's like getting a baseball bat and just like smacking them, you know, because that's how much we're like loading through them. Then it's also looking at, again, some biomechanics. So often if someone has an ankle joint that doesn't move much at all, that will put pressure up the leg and often will cause the, the sore knees. Um, same with sort of the elbows. Um, elbows, I find it can be a little bit of um, weakness through the arm and therefore they're trying to hold their horse all through the wrists and the elbows. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have a strong upper back to sit back and like hold that position and hold them through your upper back, then the elbows are just going to take a lot of that like load of, especially if you've got a horse that pulls a lot or is just very strong and heavy in their hands, then those elbows have to work a lot. So, you know, I think like the biggest thing I, I had saw a rider on Sunday and I just happened to be chatting to her at a show. And so she was saying that she gets lower back and I, she drives a lot for her job. And I was like, it's not your lower back. I would, pay pay you money I guarantee but I was like you just drove two and a half hours to get to the show and I was like and then you're doing this so I said you know anyone who travels as an equestrian like you have to think about that ongoing impact to your hip flexors and them getting tighter and tighter so if you have got a big road trip you know so your trip guarantee like your hips would have been super tight after being sitting down for so long in a car or a truck um so yeah that's a big thing I think people don't realize is just what is your life (laughs) and how does that influence so you know what do you do for a full-time job like not everyone works in horses full-time so for those that don't how is the activities of your day-to-day life influencing your body and then influencing how you present when you ride? I think that's several really good points. I just want to go back to mm-hmm. one of the things you said about, about when you're talking about the elbow and using the joint, trying to use the joint to do the work versus the muscle. And I just had mm-hmm. a conversation with my mother-in-law. She just had a knee replacement. And so she's going through physiotherapy and they're talking to her about, you know, using your quad and, and using like the muscles in your legs to bend your knee, not just relying on the knee to bend itself. And I think that, you know, some people may know this and some people may not, but like really have to mindfully think about the muscle that you want to use. And especially when we're riding it, we might just be getting by, you know, Mm -hmm. we might not be really thinking about activating our, our back and whatever we have to do to pull appropriately instead of just 
leaving our backs loose and just pulling with our arms and wrists, you know? Yeah. And I find like, I sort of say calf muscles are like the forgotten muscle because I think people, because they're smaller, um, that we don't use them. And often when I put calf workouts or exercises in my programs, everyone's like, Oh, that's so hard. But you know, to have a good lower leg position, we, we need that strong calf. But again, if that calf is weak, then that's often like there's no shock absorption, right? Like if you're doing anything where like jumping or, you know, even like super tight turns, like in Western riding, right? Like the, like the, the forces going through a knee, if there's no support above and below it, like that's a lot. And that's why, when people could get off and they've got that aching feeling, it's like, you know, there's nothing worse. And mm-hmm. I guess building on, on that would be the whole um, education that you, you shouldn't hop off your horse and feel like you can't move. Like that's, mm. that's not fun <laughs> and not something you would want to have on a recurring basis. Yeah. We've had big days in the saddle where you get off and you're like, Whoa, about that. But in general, if you've been riding for, 45 minutes or an hour and you get off and you feel like your knees are on fire, your ankles or your elbows, like that's a sign that something's not going right in in your body. Like that's not normal. Okay. So given that, and I know this is going to be hard, but if you could recommend three top things for an equestrian to do to improve their overall strength and condition, what would you say? I would say stretching mobility. Um, number one, it doesn't have to be much like just five minutes a day when you're at the end of your day or your start of your day, just find five minutes in front of the TV or at the barn while your horse is having its dinner or breakfast, spend five minutes just to go through those joints, the ankles, the knees, the hips, the shoulders, go through your body and spend 60 seconds on each body part, you know, five minutes of just some basic mobility and stretching, your body will love you for it. So that would be like number one. Um, Number two, I would say would be core. Um, It's just, it's what, and by I say core, I mean like your trunk, not, we're not, not about six pack abs, like, you know, functional core, um, and all over. So a lot of people, I think when they hear core, they just think six pack. We, we need to, especially as equestrians, our lower core in particular is what stabilizes our hips and really is what keeps us in the saddle. So core 100% would be like the second, um, and then the third, I mean, I guess, depending on your event, it would again be like the, the strength element slash the fitness. So can't do you have enough fitness to do what you're asking yourself to do, you know, like for eventing, if you're going to go cross country, um, and be on a horse galloping around for five minutes, do you have the capacity to do that because when you're not fit the first thing to go is your ability to make decisions and when you're on a horse that becomes very unsafe um that puts you in a very bad place and it puts your horse in a bad place so i would almost say fitness slightly over strength just from that pure decision making ability if your sport that you participate requires you to either ride multiple horses um, or 
you know, just challenges that mental side of things and then fitness is to me is, is about keeping yourself safe. So some of that, a, a good part of that is, is breathing and, and <laughs> right. So yeah, it's, uh, it's the fact of just being fit. Like you said, having the condition and the endurance mm-hmm. to go through those things, but also to be relaxed enough so that you're actually breathing normally. Yeah, so I think for sure. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because as Nardine was talking, I was thinking about the challenge of having a relaxed body, but a strong body at the same time. And that can mm-hmm. really be a struggle where like some people feel like, you know, they're sitting up straight and they're feeling like they have a really strong body, but then they hold tension yes. and then the other side of it being, but I want to be relaxed. And then you go the other way and you have to find that middle ground of, and that's what we look for in our horses too, right? Where they're mm-hmm. actually functioning relaxed, but in a proper carriage. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that's a great point. I, th- I feel like the more you do stuff with your body, the better your body awareness becomes. Mm-hmm. So the feedback I've always had from my coaches from being like it from a student's perspective is that I'm more coachable because I have body awareness. So when they ask me to do something to soften, or if they're like, you're using your strength too much, like turn take it down a level because I understand my body so well and how it moves, I can adjust quicker because it is that fine balancing out act between, like you said, like you want to be strong, but that doesn't strong doesn't mean you're a concrete brick sitting on a horse um, and that you're heavy, right? We still have to be fluid and mobile and move with our horse, but know how to do that in a way where we're still like carrying ourselves in a strong and safe way. Yeah. So those are, there are many of us who we work, work our jobs, our horses are on the side, we're busy. We Mm -hmm. are doing the work, the barn chores, we're shoveling the manure, we're doing the riding and we're like, well, I'm getting a lot of activity. My, my watch says I've done this many steps in the day. And I've definitely been there, but I also know like when you have the pain, if you have like places where, you know, you need strength or you need to work on, Mm -hmm. I guess, I guess I'm wondering like, what advice would you give to, to the people that are like, they're out there doing it, but it's just, they need that extra piece to be stronger or more fit. Like, is it when you're saying do some stretches and try to get fit, do we want to just try to like start running a kilometer. Do you want to do like some active stretching or Mm -hmm. like high intensity stuff? Like, I guess, do you, does that make sense? Yeah, no. Yeah. So I think, you know, you have to start at what level you are at. So you can't, you know, go from zero to a hundred, otherwise you are gonna, going to hurt yourself from the, from the stretching point of view. Um, you know, there's times where it's better to do more like the static and times when it's better to do the dynamic. So if you're winding down from the day, then your your static stretches are better. So like say in the evening, um, in the morning and during the day, doing more like dynamic stretches and stuff um, where you're like, yeah, got your body moving into a stretch rather than holding it. From a fitness point of view, like honestly, the thing is, whatever brings you joy, because if it makes you happy, you're going to repeat it. Like I love to run, 
but I know not everyone else does. And if you asked me to hop on a bike, I'd be like how people feel about running. I don't enjoy bike riding. I, you know, it, it's not something I would actively seek out or want to repeat. So if you wrote me a program and you wrote me three bike sessions, I'd be like, mm, like, you know, that's, that's not going to bring me joy and it's not going to repeat. So whenever I'm working with clients, I'm like, what do you enjoy? Like, what makes you happy? Let's start with that. And if it's swimming, if it's biking, if it's kayaking, whatever, you know, spins your wheels and makes you like get excited for it. Let's work on that and add in some ways where we can like change the intensities up and at different stages. So, you know, it is looking about where are you at now and how do we want to progress you? And, you know, that's where having a trained professional can is, is key in terms of that prog- like safe progression, because I see, you know, uh, someone I talked to the other day, you know, they could barely walk and I asked them what they'd done. And, you know, they were like, Oh, I did a hundred squats, a hundred lunges, a hundred this. And my head was just like, I was trying so hard to have a poker face and not, not judge because I was like oh my gosh like like why (laughs) why did you do that to yourself because you can barely walk now which then made me think if you can barely walk what are you going to look like on your horse you know you're going to go you're going to go ride that horse tonight wow like like that's that's not going to be fun for both of you so always have a plan start with something and you know um the other thing is I always say you're better than the person who's still sitting on the couch. So if you got off and you did five minutes of the exercise, that is something like never like downgrade or be negative about some amount of activity because it's, it's a start, you know, it's better than five minutes that you didn't sit on the couch, you know? Um, So whether it's, you start with five minutes each day and that works for you and, you know, you find that progression and you just add, you know, we're trying to create sustainable habits that are like unmanageable and, and achievable and repeatable. And that's why it's finding what you enjoy. And that's why with some of my writers, they do little mini workouts because they prefer that. So some of them are like 10 minute sessions. They just do each day because they like the routine. Others are like, I want to do three days a week, 45 minutes to an hour. And that's what they love. So everyone's different. So to anyone thinking about starting, find what makes you happy, you know, and, and then you'll repeat and build on that because you want to do it. And like exercise again, has a bit of a bad rep. You know, it's, I think people think it's about pain. It's about a trainer yelling at you and, you know, and all of this, but it's supposed to be enjoyable, you know, and you can have fun with it and you can still work out and get results. What do you yes, think? Of I don't know. I have things, I, of course <laughs> I want to say, but I'm I like, can see it. go yeah. ahead. You're okay. Well, I just wanted to say, like, I've been there. I, I used to go to CrossFit and work out eight times a week and <laughs> loved it. And <laughs> just felt so strong Mm -hmm. and felt like I was in the best shape of my life, but I had to take a step back and realize how sore I was. Like the soreness was impacting my day-to-day life because I was working out so hard. And so I have, and and I know that it's just like a mentality that people get into. Like when you get into that, like, I just got to work out all the time and you don't have a filter or don't have anything like, holding you back it's goes the other way like you said 
I have and to so, say I've never, I've never reached that point in my life. So just <laughs> really proud of you for getting there. <laughs> I, I just, I get, that's just how some people are, I guess. You know what I mean? Like there's two, two sides of it. And like right now I'm not in good shape and stuff. And I would struggle to not go overboard again, you know, like not do too much. And I like the way you're saying it is like to do stuff that brings you joy. And, you know, I just ordered a set of, uh, pickleball handles so that I can get my son out and we can go play, you know, outside. We're trying to do more activities like biking and stuff mm-hmm. that isn't just specifically exercise down in the gym. Yeah. And, but I think like the whole point of doing this episode in this whole series is what, how we can feel the best about our bodies and our image as equestrians. Mm -hmm. And I do really think we have to look at it as a whole, as you mentioned about um, your habits, your day-to-day habits. And it's not just what you do when you're riding or when you're in the barn, it's like overall. And that if we really look at our lives as a whole and what are our values and our goals and what do we need to do? What habits and, and routines do we need to do to make our bodies feel the best they can be to reach our goals with our horses? Yeah. And like, and I think, you know, that ties it up really well. And it, it kind of comes back again, that full circle to that, again, being a better teammate for your horse, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, like I said, that that is my driving force for this company is, that we find something that brings us joy off the horse, um, but then get celebrated on the horse with them. When we feel confident and strong and we're happy in how we feel like inside, outside. And, and that's just gotta be to me like a good thing regardless. Right. So I love that. That's awesome. You took the words out of my mouth, bringing it right back to your slogan, because that really is what it's all about. So We want to thank you so much for coming on and shedding light on what we can do to help our bodies feel less pain and to be more prepared to do the things that we ask are asked of when we're riding our horses. Um, If anyone wants to get in touch with you to find out more about your services, what's the best way to reach you? Um, so they can either reach me through my Instagram page. So I'm the strong rider, um, or my website, which is the, the strong So either of those two are my, my main places. So yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, put those up in our notes and we'll make sure to tag you and we post this episode and we really appreciate your time. Have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I loved it. Our next guest supports the equestrian community by encouraging rider wellness in and out of the saddle. She educates riders on the importance of the human mind-body connection, which results in a stronger connection between equestrians and their equine partners. Desiree Sieben is a registered massage therapist who specializes in working with equestrian athletes and also teaches yoga and fitness classes. What complimentary professions to go into? Welcome, Desiree. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's really nice to have you on the show. We're really excited to speak with you. And both Nadine and I, we talk a fair amount about the mind-body connection. And, you know, over the last few years or probably six years or so, we've really been talking about the connection between the rider and the horse. And uh, so we're really excited to have this conversation with you today. Desiree, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about your background and what work you do to help riders 
typically sore and stiff riders. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, thanks again, guys, for having me. I'm I'm equally just as excited to be here. Uh, yeah, so I own and operate a small business, um, formerly called Maine Equestrian Athletics. Uh, just in the last like six months, I went through some rebranding. So now it, the brand is Maine. Um, my services are equestrian athletics and massage and wellness. My husband and I are located in Alberta. We're out um, on an acreage by um, Edmonton. And yeah, background wise, I've been riding since my adolescence, um, primarily English, but I do dabble a little bit in Western. Uh, Growing up, my parents were always big on encouraging um, just physical activity movement. So it was always a big part of my life. In high school, I was really lucky. I had access to a nice new gym with a personal trainer. And that's also when I got into yoga. So, um, you know, with riding and, and that, it kind of, I already had that going from a young age, I'd say. Um, after high school, I actually initially became a registered veterinary technologist. I'm technically still, um, still registered, but I don't practice. I thought I wanted to go into equine medicine. So I worked um, in practice for a few years. And then I actually ended up working for the Alberta Veterinary Medical Association for seven and a half years. So um, a big part of the veterinary industry and community that way. And so anyways, it was in my 20s. Um, I owned my first horse. Um, He kind of plays a big role in this. So his name was Treasure. He was a very, um, well, for me, experienced jumper. And I was not. I was not experienced in it at all. So it was a good moment for me um, to really appreciate um, the role I was having and the impact I had on him to do his job. And I knew I needed to work on my balance. I needed to work on, you know, core strength, all of those things. And so I went looking for um, a personal trainer who specialized in um, in equestrians. And I was really surprised this was seven years ago. You couldn't find that really, at least in my area. So anyways, um, fast forward, you know, I kind of thought that's interesting. Um, I was working on my own fitness and um, a sad turn of events. I unexpectedly lost my horse. So um, uh, if anyone's ever been in that situation, obviously you kind of go into a dark place. I didn't know how I wanted to move forward with my riding. My barn was super supportive of encouraging me to um, be at the barn. And one of the ways they did that was asking if I'd help them with their own fitness. So I started um, helping the girls at the barn to work out, which led me to taking some uh group training, uh, like group fitness and personal training courses. Um, I took my yoga teacher training. So I thought at that time, oh, they're kind of like, everyone's a little bit stiff and like they're, you know, range of motion, like could use some work. And I thought, we'll just do some stretching to cool down. But it was actually the yoga that completely took off. And um, it led to me, I mean, it's not trademarked by any means, but I call my classes yoga for equestrians. And it was a big hit with the riders. And so in 2016, that's when Maine Equestrian Athletics was born. I've been teaching yoga for equestrians ever since. I was still working for the vet association full time, just jumping in my evenings and weekends, um, doing the yoga from barn to barn. But more recently, I went on to do my massage therapy. And um, and now I work for myself full time, um, offering massage therapy and yoga for equestrians. Oh, I wish you were not in Alberta. (laughs) (laughs) So good. What a great business. Yeah. Yeah, Like you guys said, it's, um, I do have to admit, it's been a really, you know, it's been an interesting journey, but it's really come together. Like even the vet tech side of things, right? Like, I feel like it's been nice. I have an appreciation. We all 
have a love and a passion for horses and taking care of them. And I, I totally appreciate that. But then to go now to the rider side and, and try to encourage people to look at the health of both has been, has been really cool. Yeah. It's, I, it's just, it's so neat to be able to do the yoga help, help in two different ways, I guess, at least two different ways with the body and then also the mind. So I'm sure that you hear a lot of common complaints about stiffness, soreness, pain. Um, A little bit earlier in the episode, we talked about some of the main things that our listeners had provided that they deal with. Primarily, it's hips, elbows, knees, back. Those were the main ones. Hey, Nikki. Feet, but Um, that's just, I just remember it because that's where I'm at. (laughs) Ankles. yeah, Yeah, ankles. So we were wondering, you know, what are the most common complaints that you hear about for massage clients or during yoga and kind of what can we do about it? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I would agree with all the ones you said. Um, I think the first thing I explained to riders, I work with a lot of youth and then obviously all ages. Um, but I try to educate, especially if I can catch them from a young age, that pain in the saddle is not normal. Typically. I mean, maybe if there's a condition you're dealing with that you were born with, or you're, you know, you've, you now have, um, you know, we might have to just work with that, but typically pain in the saddle is not normal. And if we can try to work on that, awesome. Right. So having said that the stiffness, the pain, um, for sure, you know, if you've had an injury, um, that's, that'll happen quite often. If you've fallen from the saddle, um, that could be anything, but as far as just like your typical aches and pains, it is mainly joint related. I think because, um, in the saddle, we are trying to absorb so much, um, Uh, like of that impact and that motion. Um, But having said that, for sure, your hips are going to be one of the number one um, ones I see, which translates and refers into the low back a lot. Um, Or it can go into the sides of your hips, the fronts, like the hip flexors. Um, And then the other big one being the neck and shoulders. Um, Now, for sure, sometimes neck and shoulders um, might be related to the saddle. But what I think is really important for us as riders to think about is unless you are maybe a trainer or, you know, in some capacity working as a pro in um, riding and doing it full time, we really have to step back and look at our lifestyle and what we're doing the majority of the time. So if you're doing desk work, um, your student, you're driving a lot or, you know, anything like that, that's going to have an impact on the time you're spending in the saddle. So I do think that's where I start to see a lot of neck and shoulder um, translating into the saddle. Well, I'm just so glad that we're having these conversations because everybody's on the same page. So, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Is All right. So you want me to, were you saying, um, what can we do for that or? Well, it's funny because, because we didn't talk about the neck and the shoulders much in our previous interview. Uh, we talked a little bit about like the hips and the glutes and things. So why don't we just focus in on that for a minute? And if you do have a rider that comes to you that you notice that, you know, their lifestyle, their habits outside of riding are influencing their riding and they're getting a lot of pain through their neck and the shoulders, what's something that you recommend they do there? Yeah, for sure. So I think in general, when it comes to massage and yoga, um, I just encourage my riders and I'll maybe get a bit more specific about the neck and shoulders in a second, but I just encourage them to find some type of practice that is consistent um, and that is realistic and practical for, again, their lifestyle. That's, I think the big thing, at least for me in my business is 
writers, we have so much going on in our lives, like on top of work, if you're a mom or you have a family or whatever, and, and then you're equestrian, there's a lot going on. So something that you can do, you know, especially we'll say, for example, the neck and shoulders that you can do consistently, whether it's every morning or every evening, it doesn't have to be long. Like that's the thing. We don't have to be doing 60 minute yoga classes every other day, but if there's maybe one or two neck stretches that right when you wake up and you're sitting on the edge of your bed, you know, you can do your neck stretches for a couple seconds, do some breathing and maybe, or it's throughout the day, you set an alarm to do some stretching um, that is realistic and practical and that you can stay consistent with, I think is huge. Um, neck and shoulders specifically, I'm big on um, my hydrotherapy. So using warm or cold, depending on what you're dealing with, but heat is really great for those areas. Um, like huge. I really didn't realize until I became a massage therapist, how much heat can impact, like just softening those muscles. Um, and then aside from that is with the, with having like massage or some type of body work routine for yourself, right. So that you're just getting that health professionals, their perspective to kind of really dive into what is it specifically, you know, is it my traps? Is it between my shoulder blades? Is it my packs? Like what is um, the kind of the root cause and then go from there. So for sure, I mean, it's hard to say, but a lot of what I see, I'd see just in our, um, you know, day and age right now is tight packs and usually some weakness through the back, just because texting, driving, everything brings the shoulders and arms forwards. So if we can open the chest a little bit more and actually do a little bit of typically strengthening for the back is going to be really good for us. So go ahead, Nadine. No, actually yeah. I'm excited for your next question. So you ask that. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, you're starting to touch on this question right now anyway. So I thought I would just kind of jump in and, and broaden the scope here a little bit, but the question that I was going to ask is what's a good practice for equestrians to follow when it comes to yoga or stretching or, mas or a massage routine. So you're kind of in that area now. So I'd love if you could just expand on that just a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'll start with yoga if that's okay. Cause I yeah. kind of have a different perspective on them both. Um, with yoga, I'll talk as if maybe um, our listeners aren't familiar with yoga a lot. Um, there's a lot of different styles of yoga. So I think that's the first thing to look at is, are you, are you going to try taking a more strength-based class? Or are you looking for something that's more uh, restorative, like a yin or a restorative class? Um, you're going to have different benefits from those. So personally for myself, I really like to encourage something that does have a little bit of strength and stretching base to it, um, because the stability and the strength is just as important as the stretching and the mobility. Um, so having said that, um, as far as, yeah, like you're, how often you're doing it or for how long, like I was kind of saying, I just think um, finding something that's realistic for your lifestyle, super important. Um, but, um, you know, every, every, whether it's like a little routine you can do every night or every morning or every other day is what I think is really great you know, but you have to make it work for you. And I think that's the thing. Like I have a lot of riders who come in and I'll ask, have you tried foam rolling or have you tried this or that? And they'll say, oh yeah, I tried that, but it didn't work for me. And it's when I start asking and kind of investigating, well, maybe they tried foam rolling once, or maybe they tried, you know, something once for a couple of weeks. And so I don't think you're I don't think we're always giving it a chance to really see how it impacts the body or the mind in that case. Um, so, you know, 
committing to something and doing it for a while. And I guess the other thing I'd say with that is, again, bringing in a health professional, maybe that's physio, chiro, massage, or yeah, yoga or a personal trainer to help you figure out what exercises are actually going to be beneficial. Um, Google's great, don't get me wrong, but just kind of figuring out what exercises we can do and then keeping up with your home care, I think is, um, is the way to do that. So and then, sorry, massage, I guess I should say quickly. Um, with massage, depends on two factors, at least for myself. Um, if you're in a lot of pain, like if there's actually an issue going on, um, then I, I'd like to be able to work with you a little bit more consistently off the bat. So um, I loved it the way my instructor said back in school was, you know, however long it took for your body to get that way is probably at least as long as it's going to take to undo it. Now, maybe that's a little bit... Um, like dramatic, but you know, the idea that in one session, I hope you leave feeling better, but I'm not necessarily going to be able to cure the problem altogether. So when we have a serious issue going on, you know, a few massage sessions closer together so we can really work that out. Awesome. And then hopefully get you into more of a maintenance program, just like you would your horse. If you're coming in with just your typical tightness um, and you're looking to loosen up and do those types of things, then I personally think a monthly maintenance program is awesome. Um, again, though, I definitely think you have to take into finances and everything else because, hey, we, we love spending money on our horses and everything. So we got to find a balance there for sure. Just going to say, she answered my very specific question that I had personally, because I love going to the massage therapist, but sometimes I'm like, should I really be going? Like, should I wait until it's like really sore? I literally was getting a load of hay the other day and I'm like, Oh, I have to schedule a massage appointment for after this. Cause I know my back's going to be really sore. <laughs> and so I, I think like that, and I would be somebody that would go monthly happily just to kind of maintain things. But I was wondering kind of what was the norm or what a massage therapist would recommend, you know, for you to come in. So that actually answered my question really well. Yeah, so sure. interesting because she kind of addressed something that comes up for me as well. And so I have an osteopath that brings her table yeah. to the barn. And so she works on me and they work on my horse as well. And she was the very first person who said to me, don't do like stretching style yoga. That is not the type of yoga that, that you need to be doing. And I didn't even think I was like, yoga is yoga. Yoga is beneficial for everyone. You know, I felt guilty for not going and doing more yoga. And she was very specific about what my needs were based on my ability to hold her work. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. So I'm glad that you brought up that, it, you know, not necessarily do you need to go out and just do any style of yoga. Um, there's benefits to, to different ones. Yeah. And I, I love that, that she brought that up. And I think it's looking physically and mentally. So I think for equestrians, a lot of us are like, go, go, go. And so for example, in that case, if mentally your coach is like, you got to bring it down and notch, like you're buzzing or whatever. Um, and you're drawn to the power flow classes where you're pushing yourself and you're moving because you're maybe uncomfortable <laughs> slowing down or being quiet or whatever, then maybe that's the time you need to, you know, slowly work in something that's a little bit slower, but on the flip side, you know, yeah, I think we joke. A lot of us are probably stiff, but that doesn't mean there's still like maybe Nikki with you. Yeah. You might be a little bit more, um, hypermobile in certain areas. And so for yourself building a bit of that strength aspect, or maybe something's a little bit, you know, weak in areas that's causing mm -hmm. 
communication patterns, then yeah, a bit more strength-based is going to be good for that. So would Pilates be good for that situation? For sure. I mean, I love Pilates too. I think the two, um, personally really complement each other. Um, they do a lot of also like the core work and, um, and the breath work too, which for me is huge in yoga. So I think they're great. And then for sure, just taking the time, if you do want to explore like a studio, go to their website and like look up the descriptions of the classes and, and kind of find what seems to be working for you. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, nowadays a lot of the studios offer so many different varieties of classes. It's it's, which is awesome. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything is so individual mm-hmm, it is. Your, your issues or your pains are not the same as mine. And all of our listeners have their different things. So it's, it's taking all these pieces and putting together a plan that you can work with and be consistent that will help you in your riding. That's sure. the main goal. You know, it's not just like everybody needs to get to the gym. Everybody needs to exercise. It's like specifically Like how can your body be stronger in the saddle? So that I really like that. So that being said, and I know this is difficult over audio, but we could probably provide some like pictures and links later, but can you give us your top three recommendations for poses or stretches to help with flexibility and mobility, which is I think super important. Yeah. Nadine, you sent this one to me ahead of time. So I had some time to think on it. Mm -hmm. It can be hard, but I think I came up with um, three that I think are pretty universal uh, as far as me personally, what I love to do. Um, So, uh, okay. So the first one is pelvic, just anything pelvic tilt uh, related. So um, in yoga, typically you're going to see it's called cat cow. But if we just think for a moment, as you're listening to this, um, you're seated, your pelvis is a bowl of water. If you have a neutral pelvis, neutral spine, you know, the, the bowl of water is going to, the water is going to stay in the bowl. If you go into an anterior tilt, being that you arch your back, your belly comes forwards, that bowl of water spills forwards. If you were to round your back, um, the bowl of water is going to spill backwards. Um, so you can do cat cows on your hands and knees. You can do cat cows seated as in right now, or if you were in the saddle and you can also do them lying down. So there's different variations, which is also going to, um, you know, make it maybe a little bit more subtle or exaggerated. Um, I love those ones because it warms up the, the hips, um, warms up the low back, which like I said, is a typical area. It seems to see tightness. Um, I also love it because a lot of times with cat cows, you're going to bring in the shoulders, the neck and head as you're doing this motion all the way through the arching and rounding of your back. So I love it for warming up the spine, the pelvis, the neck. Um, And it just helps, I find, with riders to become a little bit more aware of that mind-body connection to their seat, Um, which can be super important. I'll move on to the next one. So uh, deer pose, this one's hard. I will say this one's a little bit hard to explain. Um, So I'll try to explain my best and then I'll just talk about some of the benefits of it. But deer pose, essentially, if you imagined yourself seated, you are going to swing, let's say your left leg back behind you, your foot behind you. So your inner thighs on the ground and you would swing your right leg out in front of you. Traditionally, you would have 90 degrees with your angle up, sorry, with your knees, 90 degree angles with your knees. Um, And so, you know, if, if you do know yoga, this is, I'm not going to say maybe a modification of pigeon pigeon, you'd bring the one leg all the way back. There's a lot of controversy over that. So deer pose is my favorite. Um, What we're doing there is we're getting internal and external rotation of our hips. So I think it's really important, especially for equestrians to think about all the ranges of motion of your hips. 
Okay, so a lot of times in the saddle, we are in hip flexion, we've got, um, you know, we've got that crease through the hips. Um, but our hips move like almost like completely, you can do a complete circle with your hip, right? So if we can work on doing a little bit of um, cross training, which brings us back to what we we're just talking about, finding what works for you, but something a little bit different than maybe what you're doing in the saddle is really good for, in this case, rounding out the hips. So from your deer pose, um, you can go into 90-90 mobility um, stretching, which is then if you imagine your legs like that, you're gonna sit back on your bum, bring both of your knees through. So your feet are on the ground. Imagine your feet are on the ground with your knees bent, and then you can go to the other side. So you're bringing your knee and foot over. So you're doing side to side. And so you start to add in a little bit of movement there in that deer pose, um, which again, is just helping on that internal and external rotation. And then lastly, um, moving into the upper body, um, there's different names for this one. I just call them like a scapular glide exercise. Um, so if you imagine putting your standing and place your palms on the wall um, out in front of you at about shoulder height, and you're going to keep your elbows straight. So it's not a push up. Uh, the shoulders stay soft away from the ears. And what you are trying to do is, yeah, trying to um, squeeze the shoulder blades together behind like towards your spine yeah and then press them apart so you're creating space between your shoulder blades and so um, you're getting the shoulder blades to glide back and forth on your back so what we have happening here is we do have some mobility and stretching happening through your shoulder blades but you're also increasing some of that strength and stability through your shoulder blades um, for riders, and sorry, I'll try to keep this short. I'm nerding out here, but um, this is great. This is really um, good. Yeah. So if you think about your hip, it's a ball and socket, right? So it's a really, really stable um, joint for the most part. Um, but your shoulder blades, like your shoulder, you know, your, your humerus, your arm in the shoulder socket is very, very shallow. And then on top of that, your shoulder blade is stuck to your back just with muscle. That's all it is. Right. So when I see a lot, um, is sticky shoulder blades. They're stuck at least on one side. And that's where we start getting the shoulder and neck pain. So getting those shoulder blades moving loose, um, you know, maybe it's coming if your horse is really heavy on your reins or just from stress or whatever it is, right? So just being able to move them, but also be strong through those shoulders can kind of help us to maybe loosen up through our elbows, through our arms, um, be a little bit softer through our hands. All of those things kind of translate into that. I love that. And I wish that everyone could see us right now because as she was explaining, we're both like, like this, feeling yeah. it out. Hey, okay. <laughs> yeah, we got it. <laughs> I'll just maybe add in for that one. It's really handy if you can, you know, if you want to try the scapular glide, um, have someone watch you do it because yeah, the mind starts doing funny things. You'll be like, oh, I want to do like a push up and bend my elbows. It's like, no, no, keep your arms straight. And then if someone can kind of touch between your shoulder blades, it's crazy that mind body connection. You're like, what? But if you can get it, it's really, really good for that mindfulness of that part of your body. So, so hands against the wall. Yeah. You're not necessarily pushing against the wall. You're just hands are there to stretch them out. And the idea is to create that space and close that space between your shoulder blades. Yeah. You're pinching okay. your shoulder blades together towards the spine and then think about drawing them apart. So you're pushing your chest away from the wall without anything through the elbows to create space between your shoulder blades. So it's literally the movement is just happening on your back, but you'll notice your chest will come closer and further from the wall. It's a little mm -hmm. bit 
Yeah. Is there, is there a backside to that where you do like a chest opener on the other side or yes, is it yeah. just, okay. that's where I was like, Oh man, I could keep going. But yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm not so much that, that motion, but along with that, if you're at the wall to open the chest, right. Cause that's working more your shoulder blades and your back would just be open your arm against the wall. Um, with your palm facing the wall to open and stretch that pack a little bit or do a cactus arm so 90 degree with your elbow up against the wall and then roll your chest away from the wall so that you're getting that nice pack stretch some people like to use like a door frame or the corner of a wall to bring their arms up and kind of open that chest along that area so so is this something you would recommend us doing like in the barn before or after we ride or is this something that we should shouldn't do like right before or after we ride no, Nadine, you've got it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, ideally, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it either. I definitely, I'm working on it more than more I'm inspired by watching, you know, my clients and what we're all going through. Um, but I mean, I think it's the, one of the reasons I started this business is because I do believe the equestrian is an athlete. Um, no matter like if you, even if you're riding leisurely, like we are so quick to defend that the horse does not do all the work. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Everyone knows like, no, it's hard. You know, the other day, <laughs> my mom-in-law joked about that. I was like, come out to the barn. I will put you in the saddle and let's do some posting. Like it's hard. Um, and I think the more we look at other sports. So at my clinic specifically, I get to work with all sorts of athletes. And so I get to see their training programs and their warm-ups, their everything they're doing as far as cross training goes. And again, I'm not saying we have to be to that, you know, level. Um, we're we're having to take care of another being on top of riding and our sport and all of that. But yeah, I totally think if we could get into a habit of doing a little bit of a warm-up or a cool down, um, that that's ideal, right? Especially mm-hmm. if you're noticing you're having issues, right? Like if the hips are tight you know, do some pelvic tilts or do something, some internal external for those hips and see how that impacts you in the saddle. Um, we've started to do more clinic, um, like clinics at the barn during that, where we give riders the chance to warm up. I do yoga or some type of biomechanic class, and then they hop into the saddle and I'm bringing this up because I can truly say the riders are noticing a difference than when they go into their lesson. Okay. So this is super, super cool. And it leads beautifully into the next question because that shows, especially the clinic aspect where, you know, you, they have the opportunity to do the task and then really reap the benefits of it physically. I'm just curious how you find the yoga or massage or even the stretching, how that impacts a rider's effectiveness and mindset beyond the physical. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I think through this all, which is perfect, we've kind of touched on them, but let's like recap some of it. So, um, the big thing I personally think is the mind body connection. So I just think, um, there's so much happening in the saddle. If you really think about everything, the, the mind is trying to process and take in from the external environment, from your horse, everything, um, taking a moment before you hop in the saddle or, or you've created a routine to really notice what's happening in your own mind or sorry, in your own body physically, um, is super huge. You just have a little bit more proprioception. You're a little bit more aware of where your body is in time and space. And um, with the yoga, for sure, like yoga, a lot of times we work on one side and then the other in a pose. So you start to see where maybe your limitations are, um, where you have strengths and weaknesses. 
Um, and so then when you hop into the saddle, what riders will say after a clinic is like, oh my God, we were doing this pose and the hip was really tight and now I'm in the saddle and ah, and they have like these light bulb moments, right? Um, along with that, the cross training, again, like I said, just you're doing something. So cross training, the definition is you're doing something outside of your primary sport or discipline you're doing a secondary like sport or whatever to um, make your body more well-rounded, right? So that's going to be great. And then of course, you know, I'm talking a lot about the physical side, but if we can touch for a moment more on the mental side is um, the breath work is huge. Like that's been so key for me. I didn't realize how often even myself when I'm concentrating or something, maybe I'm a little bit nervous when I'm going into competition, I'm holding my breath. So the more we can be aware because we're breathing all day, every day unconsciously, when we start to create more of a conscious breath, um, the body softens. And then also it helps us to become more present in the present moment, which we know. And I know from listening to your guys's podcast and Nikki, I've been listening to you from the beginning. Um, that's a huge thing, right? Talking about uh, how that benefits our relationship with our horse mm -hmm. from the massage side of things. Um, you know, it's, I think that increased sense of well-being and relaxation. Now, again, for myself, I work more in clinical therapeutic sport massage. So people aren't necessarily coming to me, you know, they joke for relaxation. There's usually some ow, 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 or whatever from the room, because we're working through some gnarly knots or whatever is going on, but you still, you leave, you're like, oh, my shoulders can drop or like, oh, I just, you're working out some of that tension. Um, we're increasing circulation through the body, um, decreasing obviously that tension. And I think the other big thing with massage, talking about mind body is um, massage therapists or any health practitioner that you're working with, I think I can say for the most part, when you come to us with an ache or pain, we are taught not to chase the pain. So if you say right here on my hamstring is super tight, we're going to step back and look at the big picture and try to help you find that root cause. And also you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize like it's coming from my foot, my knee, my hip or whatever. So you're diving into some of that, looking at that kinetic chain, where might that pain be coming from? And a lot of times as we're working through that, riders are saying like, holy crow, I didn't even realize I was tight in my calf, in my whatever. So again, you're, you're building some awareness on where your own body's at for sure. And what a great perspective to just remind us with our horses when we see our horse, you know, stiff in the front right, or we see something come up and we're like, oh, it must be there. It looks like my horse is lame in the front. And then you go, oh, wait, it actually might be resulting from somewhere else. So, you know, we tend to go right to where it looks like the pain is. But when we get someone who's a professional, that's a body worker, they can really come to the root cause um, versus just like being like, oh yeah, you're sore right there. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's so true. It goes both ways. Like, you know, you can, if you go back and listen to this, I think a lot of it, you can then relate back to your horse. And I think, oh, yeah. right. A lot of us are so good for it with our horse. You see the meme, we've got the, the nutrition, the fitness, the body work, everything for the horses, but then it's like, okay, how can we apply this to ourselves as riders as well? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a struggle and we're trying to just kind of open our eyes and everyone else's eyes to the little things that we could do to make ourselves feel that much better and, you know, just perform, have a, have a higher level of performance if we're trying harder to feed our body right and treat it right and 
take advantage of that, like mental calmness we get from the massage and meditation and just being more relaxed and breathing properly when we're riding. So I think that was really great. We really appreciate Mm -hmm. you coming on to talk about the benefits of practicing yoga, stretching and getting regular massages. If anyone wants to get in touch with you to find out more about your services, what is the best way for them to reach you? So I do have, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, again, like I said, I, <laughs> I kind of have two accounts just so everybody knows, but main equestrian athletics is going to be the more equestrian based one. If you kind of are interested in more of the body work massage and whatnot, you'll also find main massage and wellness. Um, but main equestrian athletics is more the equestrian side for, you know, fitness, um, massage and yoga. Um, and I do have a website, which is mainwellness.ca. Um, so those would be the ways to reach out to me for sure. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. We'll, uh, make sure to tag some links in of your videos and things if we can, sure. once we get this, this episode posted. Yeah. And thank you guys so much for having me. Um, just to say, like, I think it's awesome that you guys are touching on some of these topics and I'm really excited to hear from the other, um, you know, people who hopped on as well. It's going to really fit together. Well, Oh, so super. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for being on. Bye now. We've been talking about this for a while now, and we're about to bring on a pretty special guest, Nadine's husband, Dr. Mark Smith. He's a medical doctor who has a very special interest in nutrition. Not only has he made healthier changes in his own diet and lifestyle, he has counseled many patients on how they can make a positive impact on their bodies and life by choosing healthier food options. Thanks so much for agreeing to chat with us, Mark. No problem. Thank you for having me. Hi, Mark. <laughs> so, I live with you, so I know exactly how passionate you are about food and vitamins and all of those sorts of things. Our listeners will understand that as a physician, you have a very good understanding of the body and how it works, but not all physicians do deep dives into research and studies and listen to podcasts and read as many books on nutrition as you do. I know this is a very quick jump into who you are and what you do. But in your own words, could you maybe give us a little background on what led you to be so interested in nutrition and how it has changed your life and in turn the lives of your patients? Sure. So full disclosure, I am in no no way a a dietitian nutritionist uh, by any means and would never claim to be. Um, I am essentially, I became somewhat obsessed with nutrition and and diet in 2018 uh, when I looked in the mirror and jumped on the scale and realized I could easily lose 75 pounds. Um, so I kind of took it upon myself at that point to um, try to, to kind of, I guess, change things in my life and lose weight uh, in a healthy kind of way and fashion, uh, quickly realizing how little I actually learned in medical school about nutrition. So yeah, I just kind of uh, immersed myself in, in all the studies and, and dietary kind of uh, education that I could um, and just kind of took off with it. Um, and it's, it's kind of been going on ever since. Yeah, it certainly comes in handy with uh, patients that I see day to day. Yeah, helping them navigate through their own kind of uh, health issues and and, and troubles as well. But um, yeah. So Mark is modest. Okay. And we all have a lot, a hard time, not like laughing a lot when Mark is around because he jokes so much. He, he's changed the lives of a lot of people. I worked in the medical clinic with him and I know that there were a lot of people that were following, um, him very closely, or he was following them very closely. 
monitoring, you know, like how they were eating, but not just, not just like calories. This is like lifestyle changes and understanding the, the food and the nutrients that we're putting into our bodies, because that was like the most important thing to you, Mark is like, you used to eat a lot of junk food and now you've changed it so that you're eating like a more whole foods and healthier foods and less, a lot less sugar, I guess, is the biggest thing I think I've taken from you in that. So I guess all this to say that like, not only is he walking the walk or talking the talk, he's walking the walk as well. So it's, it's, uh, you're talking to somebody that knows a lot about this. So that being said, this entire episode is based around treating our own bodies like athletes, just like how we treat our horses. And I know you have some things to say about how many of us decide to eat, especially during clinics and horse show weekends. <laughs> please tell us, please. Yeah. <laughs> so Nadine probably has heard this advice every second or third meal that we have, but um, I, I, I try to push myself. I try to push my patients and, and certainly Nadine as well, that it's, it's 100% not about, uh, you know, the show weekend. It's not about, uh, the big sports event that you have. It's, it's what you do to kind of prepare your body throughout the, you know, the time before that. And, you know, it, yeah, it's awesome to kind of eat boiled eggs and, and salad for, you know, your horse show weekend, but is it going to give you the performance and the gains and stuff that you, you hope probably not. Right. And so, you know, a whole food diet is, is kind of what I suggest to my patients. It's kind of what I try to follow uh, myself, uh, you know, certainly depending on what your goals are, I guess, whether it be weight loss, whether it be uh, longevity and uh, uh, that kind of thing or, or better health, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly things that uh, can be kind of tailored to, to those specific kind of desires. But, um, you know, yeah, I guess going into the show, kind of weekend and, and that kind of thing, it's, it's easy to, to kind of have quick meals and stop at Tim Hortons and, and have those kind of things. But, you know, at the end of the day, when we are pushing our, our horses, we, we want, you know, ultimate performance, uh, you know, are we asking the same things of our body and, and kind of, I guess, expecting the same things of our body uh, without, you know, all the work and nutrition that we put into our animals, right? So I'm kind of feeling a little attacked right now, <laughs> but, you know, it's when we're, when we're spending time for a long weekend at a show, our days really can be, they can be spent like 15 hour days. Like these are long days. I, my paid warm up on last Friday was scheduled for 10 to 10. So, you know, at night that's, that's pretty late. So we're stressed out, very hot, typically not as hot as last weekend, nervous, excited. And our priority is making sure that our horses feel more relaxed than we do. It's not uncommon for many of us, myself included, to eat whatever junk is around, not drink enough, or maybe skip several meals. What sort of advice can you give to our listeners so that they can take the best care of themselves during these times? Yeah. So I, I guess I would probably ask you, first of all, how many supplements do you have your horse on? Right. Mm. And I, going out to our barn, I can tell you for mm. our horses, there's quite a few of them. Um, and, and so I guess then I would ask you the same thing is, is, you know, what are you providing yourself as far as nutrition and supplementation and what are you doing to kind of prepare prior to the show? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because again, it comes back to, yeah, it's great to eat eggs and salad for the day of the show, but it's not going to get you where you, you essentially want to be. 
and and we achieve optimal mental performance, physical performance, those kind of things when we're eating a clean kind of non-inflammatory diet. And so one would just assume that if we want the best out of our run and the best out of our horse and the best out of us, that we would kind of provide the same nutrients and kind of expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess kind of going into a weekend where you're doing 15 hour days, it's certainly tough, right? But in the days prior, making sure we have, you know, adequate sleep as much as we can, making sure that we maintain hydration the days before. So when we run into a (laughs) 40 degree day that we're outside all day and we're fluid deprived, that we're not running into symptoms of dehydration, which some of us were, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's just stop. Let's back up the bus here. (laughs) So, so Nikki, you were at a camp teaching all week, the week before outside every day little bit of context. The arena is like a five minute walk down a very large hill and there's no facilities at the arena. And I was teaching six hours a day and was able to like go up for lunch. Uh, So there were a few jokes about the fact that I typically dehydrate myself anyway for situations like Nadine has experienced when I travel and those sort of things. I used to be a teacher. So I kind of like trained myself to not drink very much. So I peed like three times a day. And so I kind of got back into that. And on Friday, I really wasn't feeling bad, but it was a really, really hot day. And I was down in the sun teaching and then judging a show, uh, a sorting show and announcing and, you know, whatever else. And I got dehydrated. And as Mark said, it definitely did not happen probably just that day. It was, um, it was a cumulative. Yeah. 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 And so then I went into one of our hottest weekends of the summer already dehydrated and sick and had to take particular care of myself to be able to ride. So Mark, I mean, instantly you were like, okay, well it's due to heat and, you know, not being hydrated and things like that. So first of all, I guess like to get some specifics out of you, like what is your first suggestion or suggestions to stay hydrated or to rehydrate if we feel like we're having symptoms of, you know, what, like nausea, dizziness, headaches, things like that. Like how do we handle that? Yeah. So for myself, at least, and then my patients, I I often tell them to, to kind of, to purchase a a water bottle that is roughly 1.5 to 2 million uh, liters of, of water that you, you have that kind of mental note and, and kind of awareness of, of how much you're consuming in the run of a day. And it's just, it's kind of something that you just need to, to, to kind of conquer. Uh, obviously on a day that it's 45 degrees out and you're in the hot sun, we have to account for that. Uh, and then certainly in those situations, you would look at, yeah, re, you know, repleting uh, electrolytes with uh, Gatorades and some of those kind of not so helpful drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just to kind of restore that aspect of things. But uh, you know, as a good rule of thumb, carrying a water bottle around, which if you see me, I do every single day, um, white rock, <laughs> it, uh, it, it just helps me to, to kind of, uh, you know, stay accountable, uh, to the hydration piece of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so my problem, I'm going to just like stay on this for a second. My problem is that because I don't drink very much, I tend to avoid it because in situations like I was in, I can't run to the washroom every five minutes, which is what was happening. So I like put myself in a pretty sticky situation health-wise because A equaled B. 
So the, the, the body adapts to, you know, certainly when somebody under consumes fluids and then kind of all of a sudden tries to, uh, to burden the body with like over consuming, um, then its natural response, of course, is to, to kind of pee out that excess fluid, right? So if you consistently consume fluid throughout the day and you make a pattern of that and your body gets used to it and adapts to it, you won't be peeing every, you know, two hours kind of thing. It, it, your body just kind of gets used to it, right? Um, versus when you try to to counteract the, the 12 hours of sun, uh, with a liter of water at the end of the day. There, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Do you want to know something like completely useless information, but what we noticed. So when we left Sussex, cause you guys, this was the hottest weekend we've ever experienced. I think like it was 43 with the humid X when we left and we were all just sweating, standing still. And so we had drank, I think two Gatorades, a couple bottles of water, coffee, and like a pop before 2 PM. And we literally made it like four and a half hour drive without stopping, like no bathroom breaks, nothing. So I think it was just like, we had been sweating and so hot mm-hmm. that our bodies were just like, don't, don't need to get rid of that. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. It was brutal. I was riding my before my last class and I had sweat dripping across my eyes from underneath my cowboy hat. So Mark, just to clarify then, like, cause I know you said like Gatorade. Okay. Like probably not the best thing. We always drink the zero sugar stuff, not like the full sugar stuff, but is there anything better? Like, can we get little packets of electrolytes for ourselves? Like the runners use? Yeah, is that better? certainly like in situations like last weekend where it was 40 degrees and, and we were like, expelling significant amount of, of water and kind of electrolytes, then absolutely that's important. Um, oftentimes a lot of these drinks like Gatorades and things like that just don't really contain a whole lot of those, um, you know, essential minerals and things like that, that we need. Um, but, uh, you know, in a pinch again, there, there certainly can be helpful. So yeah, right. electrolyte tabs would be fine. Okay. Yeah. Probably better. Cool. So what about other supplements? So of course, supplements are a huge thing when it comes to feeding our horses, like you mentioned, (laughs) what are your thoughts on different vitamins and minerals for humans? So again, I always push to myself as well as my patients that we should be consuming most of these micronutrients, macronutrients through, through dietary kind of, you know, our, our intake. Um, so having a fairly whole food kind of diet where we're, we're, we're eating kind of vegetables and potatoes and, and real kind of, uh, grass fed meats and things like that. Uh, we're just naturally getting the proper nutrition that we need. And so oftentimes we don't really need to supplement a whole lot. Um, However, when people are busy, we don't have time to eat healthy all the time, you know, certainly adding in a multivitamin again, if their value, <laughs> given how little is kind of in some of them, um, you know, it, it can be of benefit, right. But ideally we should be getting these nutrients from real foods, right. Okay. Which is the, the okay. purest forest. All right. So Give I'm it. not saying eat carrots, like at your, your horse <laughs> show, him, Nikki. Right? Tell, him, tell him what you want to say. <laughs> well, I just have a quick question. This might yeah. sound weird, but like. I'm not very good at eating well at home. I'm doing better because I, you know, signed up for HelloFresh. And so they're sending <laughs> me the vegetables. At least I'm trying. But at the show, I'm I'm not very good at like planning the meals and doing the things because I have so many balls in the air that I'm like, that's the last thing that I think about. What if I like went to the store and got insure? Is that at least better than than eating? I don't know. Is it better than eating like greasy food or is that just really lazy? I, I think they're great. If you're an 85 year old lady, um, <laughs> I thought that was coming. 
Um, but you know, is it going to offer you adequate, like <laughs> nutrition for your, I would say probably not amazing. Um, you know, things like making smoothies first thing in the morning that you can have throughout the day and just kind of sip on like something like that might be helpful. You mentioned yeah. mental performance as well. And, you know, I definitely was not at my peak mental performance. And I, I don't know if we often connect mental performance as as being as important as our physical performance when it comes to horse show weekends. But let me tell you, based on what I experienced this weekend, it's very important. I feel like the food portion, if we can connect that piece too, that's really important. Yeah. So the, the nutrition is, is, you know, huge, but also the, um, like the fluid intake, right. The hydration is massive to that. And so you can't expect your body to be dehydrated all week and then go into a class the following morning at 40 degrees and have any kind of, uh, you know, significant mental acuity, right. Mm -hmm. Um, dehydration is a stress mm -hmm. response and a stress state. And so, you know, your body is focusing on, you know, keeping important functions and things going at that point, not trying to ride your horse in the best form in the best way and in the best pattern you possibly can, right? So again, it comes down to what you do the days before in the sense of how you prepare for it, sleeping well, making sure that your diet is clean and that you're eating whole foods so that you're going into it with some sense of like neutrality of, of you know, things are not spiking and down and up and all like that kind of thing. Like, your sugars are relatively stable throughout the day. You're hydrated. Uh, and so you can actually get the best like performance out of your brain and your body. Right. And the other aspect of that is, you know, physical condition. Um, a lot of these foods that we eat that are processed uh, have an inflammatory kind of response. And I hear from Nadine every time she rides, how sore she is, how much her back hurts and that yeah. kind of thing. And for somebody that's 39 years old, um, you know, that's, it's, it's a bit kind of concerning, right? Um, so, you know, the cleaner that we can eat and the, the, the better, more quality kind of foods that we can consume, um, we have less inflammatory state in our body, which leads to less cardiac disease, less cancer, um, premature death, all those kind of bad things, right? So what foods are there like categories of foods or types of foods that are more inflammatory than others? So a lot of things that that are processed are, are, are often more pro-inflammatory, right? So you could take a piece of grass-fed beef that would have less inflammatory kind of cytokine response in our body versus a piece of bacon that is kind of a processed type of meat uh, that has different types of uh, saturated oils and fats and things in it uh, that cause that kind of inflammatory response, right? So if you theoretically could have a very clean diet of vegetables and potatoes and, and kind of grass fed meats and, and like lean chickens and turkeys, those kind of things, um, you know, it causes very little insulin response or kind of fluctuation through the day. Um, sugars remain fairly stable um, and, and we're not having significant kind of inflammatory, um, I guess, response to those things, right? So allowing you to, to ride better because you're not sore, you're not thinking about your back and, and all those kind of things, you can recover faster and you just have better mental acuity. So I think Nikki and I both feel like dairy is pretty inflammatory to us. Dairy is inflammatory. Yeah. So I think that one's a pretty big for sure. one. Yeah. Um, so like, again, knowing that, right. Going into yeah. a horse show, it's probably not the best thing to do is eat a tub of ice cream and a Greco Pack pizza. All the cheese, right? Greco pizza <laughs> <Edmund>. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> You know, so we, we kind of pay for it, but, um, you know, I guess if we want the best out of ourselves and our horses, then, you know, you, it's a kind of the sacrifice you make. 
Oh, I feel like this is definitely my weakest point in my life. My own personal, like accountability would be my diet and like my personal take care of my physical body is at as would be at the lowest point. So I needed this conversation. I needed to hear it. I probably needed to have what happened on the weekend. It wasn't good guys. It was not good. (laughs) So I probably needed to have it happen in order to, um, snap me out of it. And it was probably good that Mark saw it. So, you know, he could lecture me. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, guys, we're, we're really like attacking this very quickly and very surface level. And, um, I know leading up into this, Mark was a little bit concerned about how are we going to, how are we going to say these things like in such a short amount of time without getting too scientific? Because, you know, like one of our most popular episodes or two of our most popular episodes were having like Scott Caesar from Mad Barn on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had to be like, Scott, we don't understand what you're saying right now. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> tell us what to feed the horses. Okay. And so, you know, I had kind of said that to Mark and Mark's like, well, I'm not a dietitian, but I can give you like some of the thing, like the underlying things and some advice. So we appreciate that. And I, I think we're just scratching the surface, but I, I think that the main the main point here is that number one, it doesn't just happen at the horse show or at the clinic. And we need to, we really need to start treating ourselves like athletes Mm -hmm. and not just like the poo that we scrape out of the stalls while we're trying (laughs) to keep our horses in like the best condition ever. Yeah. And I, I think you're right, Nadine. I think that when you think of all of the demands of we'll just kind of use the long weekend of a horse show, a hot horse show as an example. We think of all the demands that we have on ourselves mentally and physically and the focus that we really put on our horses. If you just take like a screenshot, a snapshot of the weekend and think of the focus that we all had on those horses on making sure they were hydrated and fed and comfortable and clean and all of those things. And then look at a snapshot of us. We're like sitting in our chairs, like dying dying of heat because we're in long (laughs) sleeves and jeans. And some of us were in shapewear that probably wasn't necessary because we were sweating it off anyway. And like physically we were putting ourselves through, um, through the ringer and putting all of our effort into our horses. And, you know, I think it's probably a good reminder for all of us to look at the importance of taking care of ourselves at least like half as well as we take care of our horses. Yeah. And, oh, and I just want to touch back on one thing that you said, Mark, because I think Nikki and I are prime examples of this. And just based on the response we got from some of the polls we've put up, I think that a lot of our listeners can relate to this. And I know you're saying like, optimally, you should all have your fruit and vegetables and your grass fed beef and all of that. And your vitamins wouldn't be necessary if you ate all that, but let's be real. We're not eating all of that. And maybe we're not starting out like that. Like we have to gradually get into it. So I'm not going to lie. I eat adult chewy gummy multivitamins because (laughs) that's what I need to do to get them into me. Okay. And Mark sets out four what are those things called? Omega three, omega (laughs) three vitamins for me to eat every day. And, and it's just that like he sets them out. So I remember to take them and like, I'll eat my chewy gummies because I don't like the taste of the full adult vitamins. And like, I think the bottom line also is do what you need to do to get that stuff into you. Yeah. What works for you. Right. Can, can I, yeah. And I, I think, you know, we all know that we need to eat more fruits and vegetables and yes, we should ideally just eat more grass fed beef and just live a happy life in that way. But like, I I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, 
we need to just put more focus and, and kind of like realize the impact that it can have on your performance as a horse person, mm-hmm. um, you know, of squeezing that last percent out that you're, you're trying to get. And, and it is hugely impactful. Uh, and we see that in athletes, we see that in so many different situations, right? Um, you know, even personally, I would never prepare for an exam and eat pizza the night before or eat some of these pro-inflammatory foods, because I know that I wouldn't have the mental clarity to, to kind of that I would, I would want. Right. And so you, I guess it's just a matter of, you know, making a bit of a sacrifice. And again, it's not what you eat, uh, you know, the 5% of the, the year it's, it's the 95%. And, and so if we can at least stick or adhere to that through the, the show season, then oftentimes you'll feel better. Okay. So I really like that you just said that because it, it hammers home the why, you know, like, why do we really have to change our habits? Why do we have to put priority in these sort of things? And I think, you know, if we look at the big picture, all those things are very important to us, but it's easy to just do the easy thing and to grab the pizza and, you know, study late and whatever else, and think that we're preparing when we know that we could be doing more for ourselves. So I, I appreciate that. And I think we all need to just focus on the why. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All right, Mark. Thank you so much for coming in and doing this. I know I didn't give you a whole lot of choice. Okay. We'll see you downstairs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mark. No problem. All right. So Mark is leaving, but we have a big announcement to make. We do. So Nikki, we had more response from this giveaway than we've ever had. I think from the very beginning, from our very first giveaway. That's amazing. I love it. So both of us have our Instagram on our phones and Mm -hmm. I was teaching and Nadine posted this contest and my phone was just like lighting up my whole pocket was like whole week. I was like, oh my God, it was amazing. So Thanks guys for, for getting invested in it. Yeah. And I had like, you know, Holly was so great to give such a generous package. So the package for the winner is either going to be a Kimes pair of jeans, two pairs of socks and a bits and bridles keychain, or instead of the jeans, it's going to be a horsewear tight. So it's all going to be depending on what the winner wants, but she was so generous that I really wanted to make sure all of you guys went and checked out her website and boy, did you, holy cow, we got a lot of pictures from bits and bridles. So So I typed in all of the names and all the entries and all the bonuses and everything from all the messages we got from Facebook and Instagram. And we have a winner. So drum roll, our winner of our bits and bridles contest is Christy Elizabeth. Now I know it's Christy. Christy Elizabeth on social media. Uh, we'll contact you, Christy. I know Christy and I'm so excited for her to win this prize. Like you said, it is a very generous prize, Nadine. I'm super, super happy with it and very grateful to Holly. Super grateful. And congratulations, Christy. Like Nikki said, we'll get in touch and then you can speak to Holly at Bits and Brettles about your choice and she will get that shipped out to you. Thank you so much to everyone who entered and all the messages. We really appreciate you guys supporting us and supporting your local tax stores. We do have one more thing that we wanted to talk to you guys about before we go for the end of this episode. So we, we first, we want to say that this equestrian image series has been so fun to put, put together. We've had some great conversations just even between the two of us, Hey Nadine, just just getting organized for it. 
um, and putting the episodes out there and really hearing everyone's feedback. It's been a blast. It's been a really busy summer for both of us, and I, I don't really see it slowing down anytime soon. So Nadine and I have both made the decision that we're going to just put a little pause on Canada Horse Podcast for just a little bit of time. We need to be able to wrap up our summers and spend some time with our families. And although this is a bi-weekly podcast, because of all of the things that go into creating the episodes, it does take up uh, a fair amount of time in order to organize and have the best show that we can have. So we're going to take a small step back and we hope that you, if you are done all the episodes, if you've already got to where we are right now, we hope you enjoyed them. And if not, if you're listening to this and you've missed some episodes, go back and take a listen. And we hope that you share with us your favorite Canada Horse podcasts. I like that, Nikki. Yeah. Share, share with us your favorite ones so far, and that will help us with the direction, you know, going forward into this fall. It's true. Anderson has done camp in a week. We are going on a couple of vacations. We have a few more horse shows and I think it's just time. We just take a little step back and enjoy family and horses and really have a chance to like put some thought into where we want to go next with the podcast. We have some good ideas for some episodes and we want to talk to some new different people we could bring on for interviews. So we're really enjoying this. We're not going away forever, just for a short time. We love hearing from you guys and we will be talking to you soon. Thanks for listening today. If you know a fellow Canadian equestrian or equine business you think needs to be highlighted on the show, be sure to email podcast at informedequestrian.com so we can be in touch. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to send us some love is by sharing about Canada Horse Podcast and Informed Equestrian with your friends. And leaving a review is always appreciated. Your support means the world to us. Until next time. Right on, Canada.